0: Coming to you from the greatest city in the world, this is the number one showbiz podcast. It's Talk for Two. Here's your host, Matt Bailey.
1: Welcome everybody to another edition of Talk for Two. We have a classic, iconic guest today. And to help me with that, I have a co-host with me. Please welcome Gary Rosen. Gary, how are you?
2: Doing well, Matt. How are you doing?
1: I'm good. I'm good. I had to get you involved with this Patrick Duffy interview because I found out you are a huge fan of Dallas. What do you love about Dallas?
3: Everything.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, I have been a fan of the show for years and it was for the with the original show. Yeah. And I think ever since who shot J.R. and then I, I just got into the whole dynamics of the family and of course, uh, Jr. and Sue Ellen and 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 Bobby and Mama and and Daddy mm-hmm. and Clayton and, and everybody and I just you know the to watch it every week uh, on Friday nights usually on CBS and then uh, later in, in reruns and online all of it but when TNT brought it back in 2012 I couldn't be more excited to see the new generation of Dallas, which is still the core, you know, of J.R., Bobby, and Sue Allen, and yeah. some of the supporting characters as well, and their kids, and, the, you know, John Ross and Christopher, and to see the iconic house was so amazing that I even got to go there and go on set without the actors, but to go on set and, and go to South Fork. It was a dream come true, Matt. It really was.
1: Oh, that's awesome. How did it happen that you got to go to the set?
2: Well, I uh, I knew somebody, I called over, and, and uh, someone made it happen over at South Fork. Uh, you know, that's open to the public. Right. People can go to South Fork, they have yeah. tours. But I was able to uh, get on, on the set of Dallas, which was filmed, the TNT version. Uh, In Dallas. I mean, most of it was done in Dallas. And so the set was at a soundstage on Dallas in Dallas. Sorry, Mm -hmm. soundstage with Dallas. And just to walk down the staircase and and be in the kitchen and at the front door and, and touch the awning and go and come in through the backslider door, backsliding doors. Uh, and see Barbara Bill Geddes and Jim Davis over the fireplace. It was just extraordinary. I, I, I It was so much fun. And I was there yesterday. It, feel like it, it felt like I was there yesterday. I went with my friend James, who lives in Dallas, and we had cowboy hats on and boots. and. Uh,
1: <laughs> I love that. I absolutely love that. Well, you know, I want to let this Patrick Duffy interview speak for itself. We'll talk about what uh what it meant to you to get to talk to him after we listen to it but i think we should listen to it first what do you say let's go with bobby ewing patrick duffy welcome to the show how are you sir
3: i am good i am very healthy thank you which we all have to take inventory of our health nowadays but i'm good
1: That's excellent. Now, before we talk about you, I want to talk about uh, your uh, connection to mask singer through your nephew, Barry Zito. I have to ask just to kick this off. Did you know that he was on that show? Did you, or were you as surprised as everybody else? Uh,
3: I'm, I have, I know nothing, you know, I am, I'm a complete, uh, what's the right word? Neophyte maybe? (laughs) I'm not sure. Maybe I made that up. Um, I literally, you know, and I've thought about this recently because in isolation here, you do a lot of thinking. I just tend to tumble along in life Mm -hmm. and end up in places. And most of the time, I don't remember where I have been. Yeah, really? So, uh, no, but uh, the funniest thing about that in the world now is, you know, I had a 35, 40 year career and I'm famous now for being Barry Zito's uncle. (laughs) Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> but I did not know. Uh, uh, as a matter of fact, my my son um, uh, on we do a Zoom meeting. We have the Duffy family cocktail hour. Really? Uh, yeah, and, cool. And my two sons and their families are isolated in their respective homes, and we Zoom and just sit around and talk. And we were stunned because Connor, my youngest, said, "Did you know Barry was on The Masked Singer?" He said, "No, I had no idea." You know, and of course, you wouldn't know. Because it's supposed to be a very well kept secret. You wouldn't want it to get out. But anyway, I heard that he didn't make it all the way, but um, he's got a pretty bright future in front of him, anyway. (laughs) Yes, he does. So,
1: speaking of quarantine, I know you had some connection issues, but uh, the Dallas reunion, the virtual Dallas reunion, because of that, because of those technical glitches, will you do it again?
3: Oh, of course I would do it again. Uh, You know, for the past, I don't know what, even before the reboot, but certainly since the reboot was over in whatever year that was, 14, I think, something like that. Um, Dallas is such a gift that any time I can, you know, even repay the people that still to this day are fans of the show I'm on board with it. And so is Linda. Uh, she and I are the dearest of friends. And we just uh, every day wake up with a gratitude that Larry taught us too. was, uh, can you believe the fortune we have for having been on that show? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, no, I'm 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 on board. You know, I might not, you know, appear at children's birthday parties as Bobby. Was, <laughs> but I'd, anything short of that, I pretty much would you know like to honor the people who watch the show.
0: Larry, uh, Patrick, sorry. Uh, speaking of the reboot, I was a huge fan of, of both series and, you know, at the reboot really to me, and I think you've used this word in the past was, was the continuation. I thought it was so brilliantly executed, uh, mm-hmm. of the, of the original series and paid play, great homage to it with, with Cynthia and, and what she was able to develop, uh, with you being you and Larry and Linda, plus, you know, your kids, you know, being of great uh, significance to the series. What was it like being now then the steward of South Fork?
3: <laughs> the entire reboot for me was, uh, you know, my wife used to have a, 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 an expression. Anytime something would happen after the show was over, she said, this is another out of Bobby experience. instead of been <laughs> about audio experience. Um, When Cynthia put that show together, and I read the the three of us, the, the script was submitted to Larry and Linda and myself. And it wasn't two seconds after we finished turning the last page. The three of us were on the phone together. And for the first time, and it was 20 years since the original show was off the air, for the first time in 20 years, and a lot of attempts had been made, somebody finally understood the show. And Cynthia got it. And her depiction of the characters were spot on. And the b- beautiful thing for me, and I know Linda said the same thing too, is you very seldom get to play the same character in an aging process. Hmm. Uh, you know, actor will play uh, Romeo at, or Hamlet, let's say Hamlet, Actor a 25-year-old will play Hamlet and knock it out of the park. And then at 40, he tries it again, and it's pretty good. If he tries it at 60, it's just a, you know, a, <laughs> brain wreck. It shouldn't happen. Um, but for me to come back on that first episode of the reboot, and they're celebrating Bobby's 60th birthday, although I was, I think, 63 at the time. But still, it was oh, I get to play him, not as young Bobby, not as you know everything. But he's lived 20 years now. Who is he, and why is he there, and how did it happen? And it was such a um, uh, a calming, uh, introspective uh, time. For me to be on that show on the reboot uh, i didn't have to try to be anything i wasn't and and you very seldom as an actor uh, get a chance to revisit something and have that be the parameters in which you work and um again gratitude i never went to work i never had a day at work first of all in my entire career but that was a special three years
0: can i can i ask you about a, a, a few particular scenes i i thought one of the, When Larry passed, when the J.R. Ewing character passed, and you went yes. into his room with the letter that he had left you, and you yes. broke down and had some of his bourbon, it was so raw and emotional. And I was wondering if you did that, if that was one take, but it, you, it really felt like you lost your brother and your best friend. Can you, can you tell us about what that was like, that scene?
3: Well, you know, if I could cry again right now. um, It was exactly that. Uh, Haggy was my best friend, pure and simple, uh, for almost 40 years. Uh, And so I'm trying to remember. I think uh, Mike Robin directed that. Uh, But it it was, I think, one take. That's all we basically needed. And uh, it was uh, very loosely uh, suggested what the scene should be and just go in there and do it, whatever it is you feel like doing. And, and that's kind of how we did it. And, uh, you know, that whole, th- that first few times of going back to work after Haggy passed, um, they were, uh, th- there was always an echo. Let me put it that way. There was always an, a, a reverberation. Uh, it's not like Larry was there because if he was, he'd be loud and wanting a close-up. But <laughs> It was, it was as if we all, you know, represented a part of him, I guess. And, yeah, it was – some of those scenes were tough.
0: Well, you were a- exceptional in it, and, and I've watched it multiple times. Uh, oh. I, I really um, – it was just uh, – it was excellent.
3: Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that.
0: Also, some other scenes – your, your scenes with Barbara Bel Geddes um, yep. were also quite tremendous. And, and the few that came to mind were in the kitchen. You know, there mm. was one when, when you, and I, I'm curious if you remember these in particular, there was one when you really wanted her to accept uh, Jock's death, and she still hadn't been able to do it. Mm. And do you remember that scene that I'm talking about?
3: You know, I remember physically, because if you recall, and you obviously watch the show a lot, very few scenes in 20 years of that show were shot in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. We almost never were right. in that kitchen. Uh, and I remember the kitchen scene with Barbara. Uh, and, and I. But I don't remember this, but I remember.
0: Yeah, well, the infamous was when she really just really and she knocked everything over. And, and that was... Uh... That was it was quite the scene. Yeah. Getting back to the reboot, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna let Matt Matt ask a few questions. I feel like I've taken over. Oh please. You left everybody, not you, but everyone <laughs> was left hanging, and uh, you know because we didn't get the fourth season that we all wanted, that of course you all wanted, right? And it was such a, a letdown. You know, Christopher, the car went up in flames. We thought we have lost him. We didn't know if if Jr. You know who. Uh, John Ross's sister was, and so forth. But all of you guys knew where it was heading, right? And Cynthia was going to let us all know. But what what was about to happen? Can you share we some? I mean, it's six years later, but we still want to know.
3: I know, and to be, I, I will be perfectly honest. Is I did not know what the um, uh, the progression was going to be script wise. Hmm. Um, I think, as far as I could tell, I do think that we were going to lose Christopher. That 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 would be and that the the season would start uh, maybe a year after that last scene. In other words, the car blows up, etc. And season four, it's a year later. And, you know, obviously Bobby's in a bit of a funk. uh, But that was the only sort of hint of the roadmap that we got that she was planning. Was that they weren't going to just take up? Oh my gosh, the explosion! Everybody get to the hospital! But take a year, and then every character, a year has passed, and and we find them so different than we last saw them, and and the stories start to explain the 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 effect of the loss of Christopher on character after character. I that was the basic premise. But nobody knew what they were going to. Do. I didn't know whether Bobby was going to, you know, spiral into a drinking problem or, you know, divorce was. You know, who knows what was going to happen? Um, because they were not anticipating um, the cancellation, so they they weren't jumping on, you know, doing Bibles and stuff the minute the show was over they had a, a hiatus and then the writers would get together and Cynthia would break the Bible and people would start working. Um, it was a whole, t- I was shopping. I was grocery shopping in Los Angeles. La da 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 da. You know, probably humming Peter and the wolf theme. It was so I, cause I knew we were coming back Yeah. And, and literally I'm pushing the cart. My phone rings at Cynthia. She said, I can't talk. I have to call every cast member. We've been canceled. I'll call you later.
1: Oh wow!
3: That was like,
1: oh my God! And they put that wow. on her. She had to call oh, them. Sure.
3: Wow. Oh hey, welcome to TV Land and welcome to TNT. It was a, it was cutthroat, and we were canceled not even by the head of, of drama at TNT. You know, they were still looking for a president uh, of programming and drama. Michael Wright had left. Mm-hmm. They didn't have anybody to fill his thing. And I believe it was the head of the sports department or something that decided to cancel Dallas. Wow. Um, And we were the, I believe, you know, these are, you can't take these to the bank, but we were somewhere in the second or third highest rated program and we were making money. In other words, we were in the black in terms of income for the network and they canceled us. Wow.
1: That is a shame. I want to talk about, Dal- my, my question for Dallas is just on a whole, the original series, when you watch TV now, because it was really one of the first major, big, popular, serialized primetime, they call them soap operas, primetime soaps, mm-hmm. when you watch TV now, when you watch shows on the networks, do you see the DNA of that original Dallas in oh, the that's TV cool. that's there?
3: Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it, listen darwin is is hopping and skipping and singing right now mm-hmm. we changed the evolution of television
1: yeah.
3: um, or we revisited it i'm not sure which is proper but almost almost every single television show that's on now whether it's on cable with you know 12 or 9 episodes or or whether it's network primetime with 20 some mm-hmm. they have a continuing basic storyline which they never had before our show Before our show, you know, drama or comedy, it doesn't matter, but it was, you know, crime committed, good guys chase bad guys, good guys catch bad guys. Um, Cute scene at the end. Next week, crime committed, bad guys chase good guys, you know, and it goes on and on and on. We established that the storylines continue, the histories continue, Um, you know, somebody gets pregnant, the baby, who's the baby? They still chase the bad guy, but there's this entire thread. That I think we set the template for on that show, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 it's it's not like we personally changed it, proved that that hook was very important for an audience,
1: yeah. and
3: you know, they it's called show business. They they looked at that and went, hey, that's good business. We got to try that, and they did it.
1: Now, what your fans may not know, speaking of television and speaking of you, is that in addition to being on Dallas and being known for that. You you've been on like every single show ever uh, guest starring as a character actor. I want to talk a little bit about that and some of your favorite favorite roles that you've played across television because you are more than just Bobby Ewing and of course that is your legacy that is part of your legacy. But I'm just curious to know you've had the chance to play with some amazing actors on multiple shows. Do any of those roles stick out to you and if and if so, tell me about one or two that you really remember.
3: Well, you know, first of all, Lorimar was so good with Dallas and you mm-hmm. know, and so good for us as a cast. Um, but they, Lorimar did not um, promote the cast members. And the person who really did such a favor to me was Aaron Selling. Yeah. And, you know, Aaron, um, for whatever reason, and I, I only had met him a couple of times, but I, I did several of Aaron's shows. And most of the time that I did them, I was playing a character out of the ovra of Bobby Ewing. Mm. Um, I did a hotel where I played a killer, you know, a charming, uh, who was romancing, was it Connie Selica on that show, I believe? Uh, And she sort of basically started falling for me. And then they found out I was a killer and and was almost about to kill her. And they jumped me in. And and my wife said, at the end of the, the the last scene that I was in there, she said, I've never seen you do that before. And I said, what? She said, you actually chewed the carpet. <laughs> uh, they, they threw me down on the ground, face first on the carpet. And I started biting the carpet. <laughs> you know, I, so, Talk about chewing the scenery, uh, but that's, you know, but then Aaron would call me and, and I did another, I did a TV movie for him uh, for, uh, called Texas, mm-hmm. where I played uh, uh, Houston, not Houston, Austin, uh, and he dies of consumption, and, and he's he's a honorable but weak person uh, kind of thing. And and Aaron was the one that always would say, give that a try, basically, and hire me to do it. So uh, I very much appreciated him over the years.
1: How'd you get into some of these animation roles that you've done now? You've done Family Guy, you've done Justice League, I mean... And other sitcoms it, like American Housewife. Is that different? Is that harder for you coming from drama?
3: Um, no, well, you know, I did step by step for seven years. Right. Uh, which was, you know, the, the, the funny thing, the chronology of this is, you know, I did Man from Atlantis, not a guy full of laughs. And yeah. then I did Dallas, uh, pretty full of heavy, meaningful looks most of the time. And when I left Dallas uh, after season seven for that one year, uh, Leonard Kassman, the producer of Dallas, was basically my mentor and, and a dear, dear friend. And he was uh, uh, friends and had worked with uh, Tom Miller of Miller Boyette years before that on Petricelli. And so he quietly uh, called Tom Miller and said, I have an actor on Dallas who's leaving the show and I think he'd be great in a half-hour comedy. You should meet with him. And Tom Miller immediately said, Larry Hagman's leaving Dallas? (laughs) Oh, no. Because the last person they could think of doing a comedy would be me. And Leonard said, no, you've really got to check him out. So I went over and met with everybody. And they started to develop a half hour for me. And then I went back on the show. And we did five more years of Dallas. And then at the end of that, um, they immediately wanted me to come back and do a sitcom and the two producers, uh, Bill Bickley and Michael Warren, with the Ewing's, not exactly a laugh riot, and they sent them the outtakes from Dallas, and that's what convinced them to, to to take a chance on me. And then they found out that I I I was able to do it. But I love comedy. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's a different, obviously, the life form in terms of television, uh, but especially uh, uh, in front of an audience, I like it. Uh, when I did American Housewife, that's three camera, no audience, you know, doing comedy. It's a little different. Um, but again, in their character roles, and I love doing that. I love, you know, the British have that term, you know, taking the piss out of their stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, I re- it really encapsulates kind of what right, you, know. okay, I, nothing is sacred. Um, you can make an absolute fool out of me. You can, you know, on on. I remember once on on Step by Step, one of the best episodes I had. I dressed up in a chicken suit, and I thought, how great is this? I wear a giant yellow chicken suit, and you know, so do anything with me. I don't care. It's going to be fun. Um, yeah. With the animation, that was different. That's the Dallas gift that keeps on giving. Yeah, um, did uh, all of those shows. And when I was Scuzzlebutt's left leg on on South Park. They didn't even ask me about that. It's just that Trey and, and his partner were huge Dallas fans, and they just wanted to stick it in there, so they did. And and, and my sons, both of them at the time, thought that was the high point of my career. <laughs> uh, and then um, the family guys, uh, Seth was a huge Dallas fan, and they brought Victoria and myself in to do the live section of the, of the show, and then I did a couple of voiceovers as other characters, Um, but again, I I would not have been asked to, I'm sure, had it not been for the caveat of being on Dallas, Mm the gift that keeps on giving.
1: You know, and it's interesting you say gift that keeps on giving, and then I'll, I'll ask this and I'll let Gary hop back in here. But a lot of actors, when they become known for one particular role, they, they kind of shy away from it later in their career. And they're like, I don't want to be, that is what it is. It started my career, but now let's see where it goes and you've been talking this whole time about how all of these other opportunities have have spider webbed from Dallas. I, I, is there a reason well, let me rephrase that. Why haven't you have you ever felt that you should kind of try to break away from that mold and what's led you to decide to embrace it rather than to try to push back on it? Well,
3: well there's a there's a there's a time uh, line on that the reason i left dallas in 1987 after seven years was specifically because i thought uh, if i'm going to capitalize on the popularity of the show and my character um, and my contract was up i would never uh, leave anything uh, and break a contract Um, but my contract was up and i thought if i can capitalize on this now is the time rather than when it's bled out and there's no life left in it at all and everybody's scrambling um, and you look uh, desperate. Mm-hmm. So I left the show, uh, I did a couple of jobs, nothing that was spectacular, to be quite honest. Um, but the, the interesting thing to me was nothing was as fun. Uh, you know, I still like going to work. I still did a good job, I thought, on whatever I did. But I didn't look forward to it the way I did every single day that I went to work on the Dallas set. Mm-hmm. And. So, but I thought it was over, I thought it was done. And, you know, Larry was still my good buddy and Linda was my friend. Um, And when Larry called and said I want to come to Malibu, um, that's when I knew, oh, they're gonna ask me back on the show. And it it was not a hard sell at all. I was more than ready. I missed him terribly. Um, He missed me terribly. He said, there's no fun on the set anymore without you. And and so we just had to figure out how to come back. Um, so from that moment on, no, um, Dallas is, is uh, you know, it was the reason I could raise my family, have a happy home with my wife and, and now have grandchildren. Um, and, you know, it, 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 it's very rare in our business to be given a gift like that. And you're quite selfish if you don't want to share it with yeah. people. And, and um, I do. I want to share it. I want to share that gratitude. I also not be an example like, oh, look at me. But, you know, I know people that you just described that even, even with a small amount of success, they think, oh, I don't associate me with that anymore. I'm, th- I'm thinking, well, then you must not think you're a very good actor. You know, if if, if you're worried that that's going to, you know, tarnish anything you do from then on, um, you got a pretty low estimation of what your powers are and you know i think no no you can. when people say bobby my head turns uh, i answer to that because that's who i was yeah love that gary
0: yeah patrick two two quick questions one why you still think dallas resonates all these years later at you mm-hmm. know the original as well as the reboot there's still people who are you know save hashtag save dallas It's six years later they still want it including me for it to come yep. back, but even the original still resonates 40 years later.
3: Yep. Why is that? I, I think it's all because of me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we thought so, too, but I was, yeah. you know, Linda maybe right?
3: <laughs> uh, well, you know, again, we talked about, you know, establishing the continuing storyline and all of that. We also established at just the right time in television history a family dynamic. Where it was, you know, you could pull out any plot line you wanted to, oil embargoes or this, that, and the other thing. The storylines were all about the family relationships. And we maintained the integrity of that frame of reference. Leonard Katzman was adamant about that. And it coincided with television being a family event. No matter you know whether you were watching you know MacGyver or or you know the Rockford Files or whatever it was, basically people had one television. You sat down in the living room and watched TV as a family, and the combination of those two things, uh, the example of why that is is so powerful is the people that come up to all of us now. Linda and I talk about this all the time. They come up and. I would say, quite honestly, at least 85 to 90% of the people have not a tear in their eye, but are reminiscing about the show in a sense of their family. Oh, we used to watch it, we used to have early dinners, and then we'd all sit on the couch, and we'd be yelling at the TV, and mom would love you, and dad would love And 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 then 90% of those people, some of their parents aren't there anymore, and yet, We represent that piece of their history that is so unique and so heartwarming that I think that's why. That's why it's still, you know, makes people run up and and thank you for doing something you did 40 years ago.
0: You know, you you make a great point because when you were at um, Miss Ellie's grave, I, I thought of being my mother you know cuz i grew up with uh, you know later and without the original dallas but when you you know at, at, you may, that's very interesting i hadn't thought about it that way yeah but you're right part of my family part of your family
3: yeah it's a, it that that string you know and and especially when uh, especially now when the people who were children have children and they uh, part of them uh, you know i think wishes that there was more like Dallas on, so they could sit with their children, not knowing that their children do not want to sit with their parents anymore. Right. <laughs> Leave me alone and let me go to my room. But the the adults have children now and are remembering those moments, yeah. Uh,
0: and my last question for you is there's some rumors online that you might be making a, a little return appearance to Bold and the Beautiful.
3: <laughs> I don't know where that started, but <laughs> I... I, for a long time now, and and I'll tell you that I, I loved working there. I love the cast. That you know, my daughters are spectacular actresses and just the sweetest people in the world. Brad Bell is a wonderful person to work with, and I saw him at a function. My son and I went to a function in L. A. Obviously before the lockdown, and he was there. And uh, and I said to him in a joking manner because I was the second person to play that part. Robert uh, Pine, Pine, the director, was the first father on the show. And so when when I saw Brad there, I said, so who's going to play Daddy now? And he said, only you if you come back. (laughs) And and I don't know if that started the rumor or not, but I have, ever since I left Dallas and went back, I have always said anything is possible. And if the right moment arrives, um, sure, I would go back and, and reprise that role. Uh, you know, and, and do it for a while. I don't know if I would, you know, relocate and, and you know, that's a lot of work doing a, a soap opera. Right. Uh, but I loved doing it and would do it again for sure if, it, if all things worked out right. Um, so keep the rumor alive. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, we
1: will. And how about we start a rumor that there'll be another uh, Dallas? No, no, no. Because, I mean, it sounds like if uh, if it gets picked up and Cynthia comes back, it sounds like your game. And uh, we wish you nothing but the best. Let's hope for another Zoom reunion with some good connection issues so that all those Dallas fans get to see your face during this quarantine. Patrick Duffy, this was a pleasure. Thank you so much.
3: It was my pleasure. Thank you both. Matt, Thanks, Garrett, Thank you, Patrick. We'll do it again, I hope.
1: You know what struck me most about this interview, Gary, is how much he's embraced being Bobby Ewing. That that has been the center of his career universe.
2: He was an absolute pleasure to speak with, and you're at, and you're totally correct.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know when he talked to us about the the family, and it was all about the family.
1: Yeah,
2: Ewings really were an extension of our family. You know, there was somebody in that clan that all of us could relate to. You know, did we have an uncle like a Jr. or did we want a brother like Bobby or, you know, we always liked a Sue Ellen, the ups and downs and the trials and tribulations. And, you know, was our mother like mama, you know, and, and Barbara Bel And there was just always drama, but, but with an edge and with 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 humor sometimes and yeah. and watching the good guy and the bad guy and uh sometimes the bad guy would get his come but we'd love to hate jr but bobby was always solid straight on through and uh, and patrick was great he was he was just a, a great guest and great storyteller
1: absolutely absolutely i'm so glad that you did this with me and hey if i get linda You're going to come back and you're going to do it.
2: Well, I'm not sure I'll have you.
1: (laughs) Okay, fair. (laughs) Very, very fair. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You know, I could tell in that interview how much of a fan you were of, of Patrick and I could tell he appreciated it. What did it mean to you to get to be able to to talk to him?
2: It was a lot of fun, and I really appreciate you uh, you having me. And uh, hopefully, we can have some other members uh, members of the cast.
1: I hope so too. Well, until then, thank you very much for joining me, Gary. All you listeners out there, remember to check out TalkForTwo.com. subscribe and stick to iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow on Twitter and Facebook at Talk for Two. And uh, I uh, recently found my Instagram password, and I got back in there at Talk for Two. P-O-D, Talk for Two pod. Signing off, I'm Matt Bailey, reminding everyone out there to keep talking for two.
0: You can hear more show business interviews with the stars at talkfortwo.com.